This is episode 89 of the Landscape Photography Show, brought to you by Near Zero Backpacks. And before we get into today's podcast episode, I just want to thank today's patron for the podcast, and that's Jeffrey Anderson. And Jeffrey and I have always talked on social media, but I just want to thank him for his support by signing up for Patreon. Jeffrey's going to get access to exclusive content from this specific episode and also every episode from here on out, a few back, and also some benefits based on the tier that he subscribed for. If you want to become a patron and get access to exclusive content like Jeffrey does, you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for whichever tier fits your budget. And hey, Jeffrey, go Blazers. In today's episode, we're talking with Australian photographer Jeff Freestone. I've been following Jeff on Instagram for quite some time, and I was interestingly enough introduced to him via a post by Frank Martin, another photographer that I follow on Instagram quite closely. Jeff and I, you know, it's funny, people always ask me what the challenges are to operating a podcast. I would say time zones, especially Australian photographers and the time zone difference that we have to navigate to start the interviewing process and, and schedule a time that works for both of us. There were several topics that I did want to ask Jeff when he joined me, and, and that's do Australian photographers get the recognition that they need? You know, his story and his answer to that, as well as his life story, brought up several different interesting topics that I can't wait you to hear from our conversation. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, we're here with Jeff Freestone and Jeff is joining us from Australia tonight. It is morning there on tomorrow. So I'm in the past, Jeff, at night on the previous day. It's like time travel. And I've spent some time in Australia too. And just navigating the time zone differences is like batty to me. I can't figure out all, all the times. But but thanks so much for joining us and, and welcome into the podcast. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, humbled and honored to be um, on your show. Um, particularly with the people you've had on the show. So, yeah, very much looking forward to it. Why don't we get started, just like I do with everybody, just how your journey in photography began and, and kind of what led you to where you are right now in the area of Australia that you're in? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so I'm currently living in the Victorian high country, a small town basically in the heart of it. And for people that aren't familiar with Victoria or Australia. It's about five hours north of Melbourne. And yeah, we moved up here about three years ago. Um, grew up, me and my wife grew up in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, the, the photography journey probably started once I moved here. Um, I'd always been um, artistically minded in a sense, like through schooling and stuff like that. Um, and I always probably had a camera around me or I wouldn't say around me, but there was always a camera there for um, like family trips and stuff like that, and even just 
um, once um, I met my wife, were going away, taking photos and stuff like that. But I'd never used it beyond like the automatic settings and those sorts of things. But I felt like I, I knew how to take a photo. Um, so yeah, so uh, it's always been there. I'd never had the time to probably put into doing it um, as much as I am now. Um, but moving up here and the landscape around um, really um, pulled me back into it um, as soon as we got here. Um, and yeah, I kind of haven't really stopped ever since. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably where it really started started from. What drove you to that area? Um, yeah, so so for people that don't know, it's a, it's a very remote town. It's uh, a town of about 400 people. Um, and our closest like major town where we do our shopping every fortnight is about an hour and a half away. So, um, yeah, most people <laughs> that I meet that don't know our backstory ask that same question, why there? Um, the only reason why was uh, my wife growing up, her family had a, um, a holiday house here. Um, and that come up regularly. And um, you know, back in 2017, we decided to just go on a holiday. And um, at that time, um, we were starting to question a lot of things we were doing, um, what, where we were living, um, work-wise. We just had our first um, first child and things were getting pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it kind of came down to a change in lifestyle. Um, we were kind of um, disillusioned with the, the city life. Um, we loved it growing up there, but once, you know, we became adults, <laughs> um, we weren't utilising the city as what we did before. Um, yeah, we just started to question things. And um, a lot of it probably came down to when we were questioning what we were doing at the time we'd come across um two guys that had done a similar thing you probably heard of them the minimalists um they, they did a podcast and write books and stuff like that so we got we got quite into that and started reading stories and i and it resonated with me quite a bit because they were corporate guys um earning big bucks and you know living the life that they were told that would give them happiness and they found that after doing all that stuff, they did, they had all the things that they wanted, all the gadgets, cars, big house, all that sort of stuff, um, and it didn't really give them happiness. So I didn't have all that stuff, but I was on a trajectory to, to go towards that that path. And um, a lot of the time, I was in the corporate world for about eight years. Um, a, a lot of the time, I reckon I felt that it just wasn't me. Um, so yeah, so that's when we started to question that sort of stuff. My wife was doing a similar thing and we started reading a lot about it. Um, and yeah, when we moved, when we came up here on a holiday, um, my wife was actually on maternity leave, um, with our first at the time and she was looking at going back to work and they had a job going up here and she thought she'd just apply just to see what happens. <laughs> and yeah, when we came back, I was at work that, that that Tuesday or Wednesday, and she said, oh, "I got the job. What do you want to do?" <laughs> um, so yeah, we made some quick decisions, and yeah, <laughs> made a pretty drastic life change. And um, I don't think that would have happened if we weren't reading a lot of that stuff at the time, because it was quite quite extreme what we did, like moving the when we had one one child at the time, and moving away from family, which were a really big help to us at the time. Um, but yeah, we, I guess it, it was something we felt quite strongly about. So. Yeah. What were you doing for your job uh, in the city? 
Um, I was working in financial planning. Um, I kind of fell into that job, actually. Um, uh, Like I said, I kind of grew up quite artistically. I studied um, graphic design, um, and that's where my passion was growing up and where I wanted to to go um, career-wise. But at the time when I'd I'd finished my study, looking for work and that sort of stuff, it just – it was such a competitive market at the time that I really struggled to find work in that field. Um, and at the time, the employers um, or the graphic design companies were really looking to take on someone that had experience. So it was like, well, how can you get experience if no one's giving you a job? So you had to do like volunteer work and that sort of stuff. And I kind of cracked it with <laughs> with that. I just was like, oh, I don't know about this. What you know, it was just, it just wasn't working and I was kind of, I'd hit like a, a wall, like wh- where was I going? I'd done study and I couldn't get into the industry. And at the time, a few of our friends were traveling. This was probably, what was it, 2003, um, traveling overseas, doing the, you know, the travel for a year and so forth. And yeah, so we, we me and my wife, both at the time were, um, well, I was struggling to get into that, break into the industry, and and she was struggling to figure out what she was doing, um, like going to uni and that sort of stuff. So we we went overseas. We lived in London for about eighteen months. Um, did the travel, got the travel bug out of the system, and yeah, came back and had no money. Um, I was back living with my parents, and. <laughs> I couldn't manage that for longer than a few weeks, so I needed a job pretty bad, and and I still couldn't get into graphic design. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of fell into this like corporate job, like right at the, the bottom, um, and yeah, it kind of grew from there. I, I, I started in that job and met people, and, and, and you know, the people at that time working there, they were studying in financial planning. And they said, you know, you should you should do the same thing. The company will pay for it, and you can move up. And so, yeah, I kind of fell into that and did that. And it, it seemed like a good thing at the time because you know the company paid for all the study, and um, I studied that, and um, yeah, it was a good way to earn a dollar and that sort of stuff. But I, I did really get sucked into that corporate lifestyle, and yeah, I think after eight years, I started to really question it. So. You said minimalism kind of drove you to this area that you're in now. What has it given you in, in your life and, and what has it given you specifically in your in your photography as well? Hmm. Um, a, a lot. I think the photography came, came after, but now it's kind of, it's a part of it. Um, a lot of it was just about um, seeking more, meaning um in our lives um doing things um that we enjoy doing um doing them for the right reasons um but a a lot of it was slowing down as well um uh, i'm a big fan of the slow photography movement um i just listened to that podcast that you had as well um I don't know if I'd say I follow it to a T, um, but but that approach um, I've kind of worked into my style um, of how I approach scenes a lot more probably in the last year or two. Um, when I started the photography um, and, and going going with it, um, 
you know, a lot more than what I had before. I, I, I chased the bigger scenes and that sort of stuff, um, like everyone does, um, the wide angle scenes and everything like that. And I, I'm not sure if it's that I lost interest in it um, sooner, um, but a lot of it I found that that approach just didn't suit um, the enjoyment I wanted to get out of photography you know, of going out and chasing light and, and, that, and that sort of stuff. I, it was more about just exploring, walking around and not having any preconceived ideas about things and just shooting what I enjoy seeing and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess that's how it's kind of come into it in a sense. But a lot of it was about changing lifestyle, um, slowing down and um, doing more meaningful things and those sorts of things. And it's kind of come into my photography now that I've kind of done all the stuff that I needed to get out of my system, which was, um, you know, the, the large wide vistas and that sort of stuff, which I still enjoy, um, but I wouldn't say it's a big part of my um, approach these days. Now, you said you, that you've always been creative and, and artistic through school and, and different things like that. What specifically were you doing um, on the artistic side that helped you express yourself? Um, I grew up drawing a lot, painting, um, that sort of stuff. Um, I guess when I started to look at it as a career option that I didn't feel that was commercially viable. So I started going down the design path, but, um, I, I think I was just drawn to the idea of sitting down and focusing and doing something and having hundred percent attention towards that and getting immersed in that um, and I kind of feel photography in the that the, the approach that I take of that kind of slower style um, that's what I enjoy about it is I guess the the approach um, it's kind of meditative for me in a sense um, both the going out and um, finding compositions but also the processing side but um, yeah, artistically, I've always just been drawn to, I guess, um, you know, I've always enjoyed drawing and painting, like I said. Um, creative outlets, I guess that probably didn't really come or expressing things um, later with the photography where I've kind of taken it now, where I, I use it as a way to express certain emotions and those sorts of things. So um, when I was young, I didn't really understand any of that stuff. I just know that I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, as I've kind of gotten more into photography, um, I think I've started to really research and understand those sorts of things and delve much deeper into it, um, into the, uh, the expressing side and those sorts of things. What's that learning process revealed about you and, and who you are and how you see the world? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's helped me understand, yeah, like how, what I see um, and how I see it. So a lot of that I didn't understand when I first started really getting into photography when we moved up here. Um, a lot of it was a learning process of understanding how to use the camera and processing and all that sort of stuff. And once I got all that stuff down pat, um, I started to venture out more into the more creative side of it. Um, and I think it was things that I would even see just when I'm out in the car and those sorts of things. And I've heard other people 
refer to as just seeing shapes and lines and those sorts of things in nature. And I'd say that's probably a close representation of of how I see things as well. Um, it's allowed me to understand it and and photograph it in a way that, um, as opposed to seeing just a, a scene, um, more so the things that I'm seeing. What about on the emotional connection side? Yeah, I think the like um, on my website, I've got a uh, like the tagline that comes down is "Images for Acquired a Mind," and I think that kind of explains the kind of approach in a sense of of what I'm looking to do, and and that kind of incorporates the minimalistic kind of approach um, of slowing down, and and a lot of it when I came up here was about showing people that are still in you know, the city and those sorts of things, that there are things out here that, you know, you just don't get the time to come and see. Like before we moved up here, it was only five hours away from Melbourne, but I'd never been here before just because I'd gotten stuck in that rut. <laughs> um, and just the way the world's going at the moment, everything's so fast-paced and everything, a lot of it was about slowing things down for me, but also trying to create images that can hopefully do that for other people just even if they get a glimpse at an image, um, that it can kind of slow things down for them and they can appreciate it, um, even if it's only for a moment. Um, so, yeah, so there's that element that kind of has worked into my process and producing of images and those sorts of things. And um, I guess slowly through that, I've started to be able to create images that perhaps have more emotion in them. Um I feel I probably struggle to articulate it um, in words. I feel like my photography sometimes does a lot better way of articulating things than I do um, in saying them. So, um, but yeah, I've had people say that they can, you know, they feel different emotions and those sorts of things by looking at my images and those sorts of things. So I'm glad that it is coming across in some form. Um, I, I guess the photography in a way kind of has allowed me to, say things that I couldn't really express um, in words, if that makes sense. What what were emotions like? And, and this may be a cultural thing too for, or a, a, a gender thing for specifically for, for males and not being taught emotions or understanding those. What were emotions taught to you like growing up? Um, whether they should stick and you should feel them or kind of just push them to the side, shrug it off and, and keep going? Yeah, I think it was a bit of that. Um, I, I don't know if it was um, something that was taught to me, but it was culturally, I think, just the, the time that I was growing up in the 80s and those sorts of things. Um, uh, it, it wasn't it, it, it wasn't the way that things are now where you, you know, people talk about it a whole lot more. Back then, it wasn't so much like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably say that um, learning that and growing through that um, over the years, I'm probably at a point where if I tried to do this or I was in this position, say, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have approached it. Maybe I feel more free to... Um, express those sorts of things now um through my photography um yeah I, i'd say it's more about um being more comfortable with i guess my emotions now than maybe perhaps i was before where it was 
Um, yeah, in a sense, perhaps the typical male way to approach things is just to um, keep it inside and just yeah move on and, and not forget it and just forget about it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably where it, where it probably sits um, or, or how I kind of grew up feeling um, that I wasn't in a position where I could really express those sorts of emotions or how I felt or, or what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of, I think I was, I was brought up in a way that it was, um, you know, you, you follow a certain path, a very typical path of, um, you know, getting, going to uni, getting a job and, um, having kids and those sorts of things. And I don't know if it's going on a bit of a tangent, but, um, uh, that's where we really start to question things. Um, it was more about our lifestyle, probably more so than emotionally, um, but doing things that we felt we wanted to do and not something that we were doing just because that's just the way you do it. Let me ask you this. And some of the things that I've always talked with photographers about, um, you know, who do you want to see on the podcast or, or what kind of topics do you want to hear on the podcast? One topic has, has always been brought up or one type of photographer and that is we want to hear more Australian photographers and, and that brought up the question to me of do Aussie photographers really get the recognition that they deserve in the photography community hmm that's interesting um <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that um I wonder why why they want to hear more do they do they say why they want to hear more from Australian photographers? I, th- I think it's just the accent. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of recognition, I don't know. It depends on what you're in it for, really, and that's you know that that's a whole social media conversation <laughs> that I know a lot of people have had before um, about you know what 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 are you in it for? I, I don't know. It's um, you know. It's a much bigger scene over um, in the states and so forth. And um, do Australians get recognised um, for the talent? I guess it's it's kind of like that with anything, though. Like with TV and a lot of different things. It's, it's in Australia, it's um, a bit more low key, um, or, or I don't know. I guess maybe we just don't get the um, the, the media um, side of things as much. I'm not sure, but um, we definitely have a great deal of um, artistic, creative talent, um, and we've got you know a, a, a podcast going in Australia where it's a lot of um, pushing a lot of Australian talent and those sorts of things. So um, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's not that they're not recognised for what they do. Um, it's just maybe it's just um, there's a whole lot more to <laughs> to, to, um, to focus on maybe over in the states. I'm not sure, but there's definitely a lot that you a lot of um, people that you could interview over here um, that, that have their own stories and approaches and uh, um, and those sorts of things. So um, yeah, the the, the community is great here. Um, I, I'm quite um, remote where I am, so I don't shoot with anyone. Um, because no one's close to me, um, and that's the way I like. I do like. I've always just gone out and shot on my own anyway. But um, the, the community is great. Like uh, you know, just like with with you guys over there. Like the, 
you know, people get together and they have, um, you know, catch up sessions and so forth. And I think even on social media, it's, it's probably, um, uh, how can I say, um, more, um, a, a positive approach than what I've heard sometimes with social media, people getting, you know, abused online and all that sort of stuff or like questions about why they're doing this or why they're doing that it's very positive um the australian community but um yeah well you brought up the social media and and sharing images I, i was scrolling through not only your website and your gallery but also your social media and some of the images that you have shared and there's really a handful and it, it looks like to me it you've taken the approach of sharing just the best, like the ones that you're most proud of. And it got me thinking, you know, how do you go about deciding or or maybe not how, but let me ask it this way. When do you know that, that you've captured an image that, that is what you want to represent from the landscape that you shot? Like when during the process does that come out to you? Um, I think that's evolved over time. I've kind of taken the approach that, you know, I was the shift from just learning photography to being artistically creative with my photography. I've been inspired by a range of different photographers, but a lot of them was probably like the likes of Sarah Marino, Alex Noriega, Ron Coscarosa, those sorts of um, photographers and and hearing interviews from them um, about, particularly Alex, how he sits on images for a long time um, and lets them kind of marinate and those sorts of things. I, I kind of started to take that approach. So uh, I think it's just a matter of, um, like for me, um, sitting on images and seeing if they still work after a few weeks. I, I don't sit on them for <laughs> months or um, any extended period of time. But, um, yeah, I guess just letting them marinate um the, the approach, you know, I, I guess I see my Instagram as like a bit of a portfolio. So um, there are a lot of images that um, that I have um, that I could put on there. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm I'm proud of my work and I wanted to represent um, uh, how I see things and um, uh, I, I guess uh, you know each image is. Um, for me, something that I'd be proud to put on my website and those sorts of things. So, yeah. Um, but I also go through that phase of not, not trying to care too much about it as well. Well, it's it's almost mirroring the minimalistic style that you've taken in your life as yeah, well, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I've tried to go down that path of, of being active and those sorts of things, but I, I don't, you know, it's taking away my time from things that I want to do, like spending time with family and, and that sort of stuff. So um, uh, from my, I see a, a, lot, a lot of negatives with the social media side of things and getting, becoming addicted to it. And um, yeah, it takes away a lot than what, what you get out of it. So now I just, um, yeah, don't think about it too much. I'm, I'm not interested in building like a big following, that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, if it happens, it happens, but, you know, I just don't put too much emphasis on it. Um, you know, I'm happy if people enjoy my work. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not, not overly interested in spending too much time on trying to um, play the 
social media game. Hey guys, real quick, I just want to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's Near Zero Backpacks. You know, last week we talked about how light and durable and simplistic the design is for Near Zero Backpacks. This week I want to tell you, you they're not just light, but they're really built for the ease of the use of whoever owns the backpack and stashes their camera inside. Specifically, the the magnetic buckles on Near Zero backpacks because they can really be operated in the cold. I get numb fingers all the time. I hate the cold and especially fooling around with zippers and buckles on my bags. These magnetic buckles just really easily undo and reattach whenever your hands are cold or wet or even when you're wearing gloves they're really easy to undo and redo so that you know your camera gear is safe exactly where you put it in the bag yeah they add a tiny bit of weight but really it's for ease of use and we're still talking about the lightest camera bag on the market you know the bottom pocket as well i always take like an extra pair of chacos just with me instead of my boots because I get in rivers to photograph waterfalls, this little extra pocket is really easy to slide in an extra pair of sandals, uh, a snack, anything you want to carry that does, again, add slightly a little bit of weight. But again, we're talking about the slightest backpack on the market for photographers, near zero backpacks. If you wanna learn more or order your own, be sure and tell them that David sent you from the Landscape Photography Show during the checkout process whenever you order yours from nearzerolabs.com. Again, that's nearzerolabs.com. Let's get back to today's episode. It, it's it's almost like the minimalism has, has bled over into every part of your life, which which I love to hear. I'm curious, could, do you think you could still create like a really simple, introspective photograph if you hadn't gone the simple route? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think I've tried. Like when we were living in Melbourne, I tried to take up photography a number of times and for me one living in the city I never felt like there was anything to photograph that really grabbed my attention um, long enough to pursue it Um, so yeah and I was always pulled away from doing creative things um, to get back to work Um, work took up a lot of my time and um, like it does for everyone um, but yeah, it always pulled me back and then I, you know, would, would go back to something creative like months later and then really enjoy it. But then I'd, I'd lose interest in it because I'd have to go back to work and that sort of stuff. So I think, um, the minimalistic approach on our lifestyle has probably allowed me to invest a lot more time in being creative, if that makes sense. Um, it's allowed me to, um, find a, a good balance between work and um, doing things that I enjoy. Um, but yeah, it does give me that time to to be creative. Um, it allows me to be creative, I guess, the where we live and those sorts of things. It's, it's a much slower lifestyle. So um, it allows me to be in that 
um, headspace a lot more than what I would be if I was living in Melbourne. It, it, I'm trying to form a question here about nature and connecting the, the simplistic style or simplistic living that you do. And, and I'm thinking about like, the question I, I have is how do you see nature? But that's such a vague and, and wide question to ask. Mm, mm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's how I see it as opposed to more um, like just my experiences that I have. So like where I live, like I said, it's very remote. Um, and whenever I go out, most of the time when I'm going up into the Alpine National Park, I very rarely am out and will see someone. So I'm always on my own and there's no one usually around, even hiking or anything like that. Um, so I have the place myself, which I just love. Um, and, I, and it allows me to get into a very um, creative, um, or maybe not so much creative, but a meditative state of being able to just see things that I wouldn't see if I was distracted. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I guess it's that. And then once I can get into that headspace, I can start seeing things that interest me. And um, I guess seeing – it's clearing your mind in a sense, I guess, just allowing you to be 100% focused on what, you, what you're out doing. Um, and I get distracted easily. So, like, I find that I can't get into that headspace. I can't create images that I like if I'm out shooting with someone else. Um, I'm more seen as just like a catch-up with someone and I, and I, I kind of just accept the fact that I'm not going to be creating images that I'm going to be, like, emotionally connected to. Um, so I think it's about um, being out somewhere and being um, uh, very aware of my surrounds and being able to start seeing things that I wouldn't be able to see if I, you know, had the distractions of, of people being around. I start noticing... Um, maybe the finer details of nature and those sorts of things, seeing the light shifting, you know, across the mountains and that sort of stuff. So once I'm 100% engaged in that, that's where I find that I can um, I can capture images that, um, that, that represent my experience out in nature. It's such a stark difference, Jeff, of... of kind of what you talk about and how you experience the national park that you live just south of and, and what I, I know and what I know all the photographers that I, you know, spend time with know about going to our national parks here. We see people mm. all over the place. Mm, I know. I've heard that. I can't, I can't imagine that, but I know that's just what it's like over there. I know it's just maximized <laughs> like your photographers. Like I've heard other people talk about when they go and there's just, busloads of people like um i'm not used to that um and i can't imagine it <laughs> but yeah i guess I, I, it's interesting i guess uh, the photographers i hear that they, they they just go to places where they they get away from the people and they can get into those creative head spaces but yeah i think i'd struggle <laughs> i think i'd struggle a lot does it mean a lot to you though that that you photograph in a place that is less traversed and kind of gives you options to work with whatever you want to see it. My first thought is you're not pigeonholed into any shot already. Yeah. And that, I, I think that's where, um, I think my style, oh, I don't like to talk about style because I don't think I really have a style, but that that's where I've started to really go is that like what I love about where, 
where I live and where I can photograph is that, that um, I never realised until I really started to think more about my photography and my approach is that I generally will go out even during like peak season up here for the snow season. I know places where I can go where there just won't be people. Um, you know, I'll pass people and that sort of stuff, but I can get to places where there won't be people because um, they'll be on the snowfields and so forth. But um, I, I love that, you know, I feel, you know, lucky that I can do that is I can go to places and just walk around and uh, particularly in winter, I love going out in winter and just walking through the bush and just he being able to hear the snow hit the ground and just that complete silence. Um, I do love that and it does, um, I feel really, oh, how can I say, I don't know. Um, I, I feel I'm really in that, I've heard people talk about that flow state as well. Um, I know when I'm in it, when I'm there, um, and I just get completely immersed in the experience. And I think photography for me has allowed me to go out and see places I wouldn't have seen without um, the camera. Um, so it kind of feeds off each other in a way, um, you know, both being out in nature and appreciating nature and experiencing it, um, but also allowing me to get into a headspace and position where I can create images that... Um, uh, they're meaningful to me um, and allow me to, um, yeah, I guess show people places um, or things um, that they usually wouldn't think are there or, or would be able to see. Um, yeah. Is there any fear attached to sharing images of places that nobody else is, is really photographing or sharing that much that it will kind of latch on and I, I hate the term bucket list, but for lack of a better term, put it on their, their bucket list to come sh see. I don't think so. No, I've thought about that before. No, not, not really. I, I don't think Australia really has, I'm not sure. Um, it doesn't seem like we have that. Um, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say a mentality, but I know that happens over there that, you know, you can rock up to a very iconic location um, and there can be just heaps of people there that you can't even you can't even get your camera in there. But it, I don't think it really happens here. We don't have locations that are that iconic, particularly in the high country. And that's what another part of my photography that I love is that I've actually been forced into finding images, compositions here, because where I live, there's there's a couple of iconic shots. Um. But close to where I am and where I shoot and where I can access, there's nothing iconic apart from like our snow gums. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen some of those photos, but I did a bit of a small series of, of snow gums. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not really something, you know, the places that I go or, or where I look, it's not really people might just say, oh, where is that, the vicinity of that area or, or, you know, but I don't shoot things where it's specific enough for someone to say, you know, I want to go shoot that. But it doesn't really happen here. I don't know, maybe because I don't have a big a, a following <laughs> enough of people to, you know, to really see my work um, enough to to really reach out to me enough. But I, I don't think it really happens. It's a hard place to get to as well. Um, you know, it's a five-hour drive from Melbourne, seven-hour drive from Sydney. So we're pretty remote. Um, it's not somewhere... Um, that people are going to be coming in hordes really for um, to find these places, I don't think. So I'm not too fussed about it.
I'm, I'm, I'm happy for people to come and, <laughs> and see the place. <laughs> have your kids taken up photography at all? No, that's a good question. Um, they have actually. Well, they haven't taken it up. So um, uh, I've got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and um, they hate when I go out because when I go out for shoots because they want me to be at home. Um, but whenever I've gone out with them or just like you know going out for a family trip and stuff like that, they love taking photos. I think just to be um, like daddy, and <laughs> they use our cameras, our, our phones. Um, both my daughters, the, the the middle child, she's really into it. She just loves taking photos with the the phone. It's a lot easier than <laughs> than like a um a proper camera. But yeah, they they, they love it. I, I, I'm not sure if they I'm not sure if they love the experience or they just like doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's good. I like it. It's um you know when when I go out and if I take one of them out just to get them out of my wife's hair kind of thing, I can just give them my phone and they just wander around where I am and take photos of random things so um but yeah they, they ask questions and they like it so i don't know if it will stick but um but it's good yeah i like it <laughs> your wife my wife is she interested in it yeah no not at all <laughs> she's my harshest she's my harshest critic i'll show her photos and she's just like oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> she's just not <laughs> she doesn't see yeah, she doesn't see things <laughs> I see it, but um, no, she's just not really interested um, in it at all. Um, but she does allow me to go out, which um, I'm very thankful for her for. She, she sees how much it means to me, so she um, is happy for me to go out, which is good. Would you ever want to do photography professionally? Um, I have thought about it. Um, and um, it, you had uh, Martin Gonzalez on um, a few podcasts ago. I listened to that, and his story really resonated with me. It was it was quite um, refreshing to hear someone talk about um, their situation so close to to how mine is. Um, uh, I actually reached out to him and told him how similar our situations are. But um, so yes, yeah, so I'm 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 still working in financial planning. I just contract back to um, to Melbourne up here. Um, and, and I have thought about doing that, um, but I think I've come to the conclusion that, um, having my job gives me the ability to remain as creative as I kind of want to be. Um, and I think that's what Martin talked about is that, um, it allows him to still just produce what he wants for himself. And, and that's how, then that's what I enjoy about it. I've thought about going down that path and, and potentially pushing it. Um, and I would love to do it, but I'm, I think I worry too much that I would lose my freedom of creativity and I would start worrying about the money aspect of it. Um, having to produce images that others like, um, I, I think, I really enjoy where I'm at at the moment with my photography. And I think if I started putting pressures on myself, I would lose the ability to just go out and shoot what I want to shoot. It's got to give you confidence though, that I think a lot of people do appreciate what you're doing and do like the photographs that you're creating. I mean, you were one of the uh, biggest up and coming names in Australian photography uh, just recently. And, and, 
it's got to give you some confidence though, that, that just doing what you're doing, people appreciate it. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, like I try not to put too much emphasis on, um, on what others or not that I love getting the feedback and like anyone does, I've heard others say that about social media and that sort of stuff. It's great getting feedback. Like you put your images out to be seen and, um, and I do like the, um, you know, hearing that people appreciate, um, you know, some of the scenes that, you know, won't do as well on Instagram. And I, and I went through that phase of, of will this work and will it not? And I come to the conclusion that, I've just got to not care and I'm most happy when um, I produce images for myself rather than getting likes. So once I kind of got over that hurdle, um, I think I started to enjoy doing what I was doing a lot more. But yeah, it's very, um, it's great seeing other people appreciating that sort of work. And I sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes I feel that it's good to put out work like that and try and be um, as free as you can with your work so others you know, that are out there that are in that similar path or, or, or want to go down that path. Just social media can have that that hold on you where it's like, oh, I really like doing this work, but it's not going to do well. And, you know, just giving them, some people, the freedom to just put out work that, that they enjoy and just seeing how it goes and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I see it too. I mean, in my own work as well of you know i just this week i was sharing some images from utah and um i shared some of the ones and and captions with them that that meant the most to me and that i had the deepest connection with and it was just like crickets on there and then i just posted one that uh you know i barely it barely made it into to my final selection of images from that region and just like you know hey this is a photograph that I shot in between the others and it just like blew up. And I was like, it mm. just goes to show, you know, you can't, you can't rely on that outward gratification of, of what you're doing because it, for me at least, it seems like it may let you down every single time. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's the same with my stuff. Like I just find that, you know, some stuff can, 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 uh, be more popular on Instagram than others and, and I don't even know what what is going to do well or you know I think anyone that posts on Instagram feels they've got some sort of idea of how well it might do but yeah um, I still haven't I don't yeah I haven't figured that out <laughs> I don't know what you know even like sometimes when I've got like a I, I still shoot grand landscape scenes and stuff like that and sometimes I'll I'll post those and you know um, they might do as well as other creative images that I've done um, or more intimate abstract images. So yeah, um, I I just find just shooting what I like and, um, you know, sitting on those images and seeing if I still connect with them later. And then if, if I still really enjoy them, I feel, you know, maybe someone else will enjoy them and and I'll post it and yeah, yeah, just, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's too much of a process behind, why I do or why I don't, but um, yeah, it's just if I still enjoy it after some some period of time, and I, I go through a lot of images that um, I do shoot a lot, um, and there's a lot that don't make it. And um, but yeah, I think it just comes down to just being happy with what what you're producing. Um, and, and yeah, getting back to your question about the, the full time aspect of it, um, I I, th- 
I thought recently that I think I would go down that path only if it just came to a point where I could produce an income from just doing the stuff that I enjoy doing, not because I'm going into it to try and create a career from it, but if it just eventuated from producing income from doing the stuff that I'm doing right now, then I might consider it. But um, I'd have to very much be mindful of, you know, if I went down that path of maintaining that that mindset the whole way through. Because um, I wouldn't want to get to a point where I'm just not enjoying it or I'm producing work that <clears throat> I'm producing for others and not for myself. I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm quite quite content with where I'm at at the moment. Um, the You know, my, my job allows me to, you know, purchase the equipment that I need and that sort of stuff as well. I don't have to worry about that um, so much, but it, it allows me to just go out and, and just produce work that, that um, I really enjoy, um, uh, no matter how well it might be perceived. Where can people go to find more out about you? Yeah, so I've got um, just on my Instagram, um, Jeff Freestone. I've also got a website where I've got um, my images, um, freestonephotography.com. Yeah, um, I try and keep that up to date as much as possible. But yeah, I've just got information there about myself and um, prints for sale and those sorts of things. So yeah. He's Jeff Freestone. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us and talking photography. No worries. Thanks a lot, David. So this is it. This is the end of the podcast. Or is it? You know how I told you about Jeffrey at the beginning of the show and how he's a Patreon subscriber? Jeffrey is actually getting access to bonus material that Jeff and I talked through once the recording was finished. So what do you get in this exclusive interview content with Jeff Freestone and I? Well, we continue talking about his minimalistic lifestyle and how that's helped him in not only his photography, but other aspects of life. We also talk about the opportunity cost for photography, going to get photos and what that means for other opportunities. And lastly, we talk about Jeff's photography influences and he says some names that are really interesting to me and that have also been extremely inspiring for me and my photography lately. So again, if you wanna become a patron and get access to exclusive content like this today's episode, of me and Jeff talking about those things, you can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for whichever tier fits your budget. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to see you guys next week.